Our first lesson for this Sunday is from the Old Testament book of Ezekiel, the 37th chapter. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord, set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. Behold, they were very dry. He said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied there was a sound, a behold a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied and he, as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up, our hope is lost, we are clean cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live. And I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord, I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We rise for the Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel from St. John, the 11th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, of the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. And the disciples said, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you and you are going there again. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in a day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, 
If he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant he was taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake I am glad that I was not here, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciple, Let us go also, that we may die with him. Now when Jesus came, he found Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. When she said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Jesus had not yet come into the village but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit, and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believe you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have, give, you have heard me, and I knew that you always hear me. But I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. In the name of our Lord Jesus, amen. I'd like to read a few verses from the epistle lesson appointed for this Sunday from Romans chapter 8, 5 through 11. This is the text I was referring to earlier when I said we're going to be focusing on the mind of the flesh versus the mind of the spirit. 
For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mind of the flesh is death, but the mind of the Spirit is life and peace. Because the mind of the flesh is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. In the 1960s, there was a pretty effective ad campaign that used the uh, theme, A Mind is a Terrible Thing to Waste. It was sponsored by the United College Negro Fund, a fund designed to provide resources for African-American students to go to college. And I don't think anybody can argue at all with that statement. A mind is indeed a terrible thing to waste. In fact, God would completely agree with that. He has much to say about our minds and how important they are. Listen to these words he spoke to ancient Job. Who has put wisdom in the mind? Or who has given understanding to the heart? Jeremiah, I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind. Matthew 22, Jesus, our Lord, said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. Romans 12, verse 2, Be transformed, Paul said, by the renewing of your mind. Let's think tonight about what the mind is. I think I know I probably take it for granted. I'm sure you do as well. What an incredible thing it is that God has given to us with our minds. And then we'll look at what Paul means by the mind of the flesh and the mind of the spirit, and especially how we have and maintain and the benefits we receive from the mind of the spirit. Well, what is the mind? Well, it is one of the most important things that sets us apart from everything else that God has created in this world. We are very different from the animals that he created. As beautiful and amazing and as wonderful as they are, he did not give to them the same kind of mind that he has given to us. We are capable of thinking such deep thoughts, capable of thinking either very wicked and evil thoughts on the one hand or very good and very blessed thoughts on the other. Animals are not capable of this kind of wickedness. They serve God in their own way, but God has called us to a much higher level of service to him. This is the image of God. In Colossians, Paul calls this image of God, at least part of that image is the knowledge that we have of God, the ability to communicate with God. And we either disbelieve and disobey God or we believe and obey God and this is the difference between the mind of the flesh and the mind of the spirit well let's go into a little more detail about the mind of the flesh first of all 
A few years ago, I read the book The Martian, a story about an astronaut who had been left behind by his fellow astronauts who had experienced an accident, and he had to survive on that planet all by himself until he could be rescued. It's a very interesting book, and it has a lot of science in it, chemistry, biology, and agronomy. But there's one thing noticeably missing in the book, and that is God and Bible and prayer. You would think that maybe a guy stranded on the planet Mars, of all places, might think about God and perhaps would call out to him. But not in this case, and I am afraid this is a growing trend in the world that we are living living in today. In fact, there's one notable scene in the movie where he finds a cross that had been left behind by one of the other astronauts. But it served no spiritual purpose for him at all. In fact, he used it as a tool, as part of his mechanical solutions in order to survive. Now, this is the mind of the flesh that Paul is talking about. This is the mind that thinks only of material things, only the things of this world. Now, we think that this is a very good thing, but I'm going to show you that it is not necessarily good or bad. In fact, the things of this world, science and technology, are just tools. What really matters is what's behind them, whether that mind is good or whether that mind is evil. And I take you especially to a man by the name of Alfred Nobel. He was a Norwegian chemist, and he is the guy who discovered dynamite. He became one of the richest uh, weapons producers of all time. In 1888, his brother died, and a French newspaper thought it was him. And so they published the obituary, which was titled, The Merchant of Death Has Died. When Alfred Nobel read that obituary, he was appalled. Appalled to realize that the world would remember him as the merchant of death. And therefore, he devoted all of his wealth and all of his riches to what we now know as the Nobel Peace Prize. This is the real problem of our world. It is the mind, and whether it is bent on evil or whether it is renewed by the Spirit for good. It's important for us to recognize that. Another thing about the mind of the flesh, Paul says, is that it is enmity against God. It hates God, and it refuses to subject itself to the law of God. It goes its own way. And this is the great tragedy of this world that we live in, that creatures created in such a beautiful way by this amazing creator, have turned against him. It's sad when strangers do not like each other. It's even worse when friendships fall apart. And we are all disgusted when we see families who have become separated from one another. But the ultimate disgrace of all is this separation between God and his own creatures. Paul in Romans 1 wrote about it this way, even as they did not retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things that are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, 
covetousness, maliciousness, etc. The world is going mad around us. I do not have to read to you today's headlines. They were written 2,000 years ago by St. Paul in Romans chapter 1. Unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness. But it's not just the problem of the world. We're also in this world ourselves. And these words apply to us. We realize that it's our temptation as well to turn against the Lord, which we always do, in fact, when we sin, basically telling God, at least for a moment, I'm not interested in you. I'm not subjecting myself to your law. I am going my own way. And this is why we're here tonight, to repent of that and to be renewed in our minds and now to receive the mind of the Spirit. Let's think about that and talk about that now. Ezekiel 37 is a great example of the power of the Word of God and the Spirit. In fact, you should always keep those things connected together, especially in the hymn that we just sang, I am baptized into Christ. What does that mean? It is the baptism into the Word of God, into the Spirit of God, and God making Him, His Uh, our bodies, His temple. And that is what gives us our life. The mind of the Spirit is the mind that's been opened by God, that believes God's Word, repents of sin, and clings to God's promises of forgiveness, grows in faith and in obedience to His Word. And Paul says that is life. There's a dramatic example of that in the Old Testament book of Daniel There was a king, king of Babylon, by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. One day he was strutting around and he said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my power and for my honor and majesty? Whereupon he had a dream, a bad dream, about this giant tree that was cut down and there was nothing left but a stump in the field. And Daniel interpreted the dream for him and told him what was about to happen as Nebuchadnezzar for seven years would literally lose his mind and go live out in the wilderness. Uh, Daniel tells us that his hair grew like eagle's feathers and his fingernails like bird's claws. Until at the end, Nebuchadnezzar says, I lifted my eyes to heaven. And my understanding returned to me. The spirit, the mind of the spirit returning to that man to give him understanding, to give him sanity, to give him life. This is what God has done for us. He has pulled us out of that wilderness and of this madness of the world. In Philippians 4, Paul said, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, pure, lovely, commendable. If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think on these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Isaiah said, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. That's the mind of the Spirit, a mind that listens, a mind that repents, a mind that trusts, 
a mind that obeys. Indeed, the United Negro College Fund motto was very true. A mind is a terrible thing to waste. The gospel and the sacraments renew our minds. Bring us to repentance. Bring us to forgiveness. Bring us to faith. And they renew us. And they give us life. But there's much more. One last thing for us to consider tonight. And these are the words of Paul from Romans 8.15. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also raise, give life to your bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Not only does this mind of the Spirit give us a better life on earth and a, a, a blessed life of peace and free from terrible madness and anxiety, it is that which gives us ultimately eternal life. Remember that as we face temptations, trials, and indeed as we face death itself. This same Spirit who raised Christ from the dead has been given to us in God's Word and sacrament. And because of it, we live. And because of it, we will live even beyond death itself. In Jesus' name, amen.